Welcome to season two of The Brave Collective. This is a career building and leadership development podcast, and I'm your host, Danielle. I am beyond excited to kick off season two, where we're going to be exploring conflict and our human disposition to avoid it at all costs, and maybe why this isn't a good idea for leaders. I'm also excited to share some incredible conversations over the course of the next few months where we're gonna be diving into some of the key strategies to tackling conflict, including how to be a better communicator, how to fight for clarity in a confusing environment, empowering entrepreneurs to have difficult conversations, and a special episode where we'll take a look at what the Bible says about conflict. Listen in. Okay, so why is conflict so hard? Conflict in any scenario is difficult. Some of us are just wired to avoid it altogether, while others, let's call them the peacemakers, work in overdrive to keep the peace at all costs. I'm sure there are some underlying issues as to why and how individuals respond to conflict, including how they were raised and what sort of environment they grew up in, and maybe how they were taught or not taught to handle conflict. In terms of this conversation though, will be focusing on conflict in professional settings. Think business dealings, professional relationships we all have, like managers, colleagues, direct reports, etc. So whether you're an entrepreneur or working for the man in a corporate setting, this conversation applies to you. I have found that business-related conflict to be something we should come to expect. And I am of the belief that it would do us a lot of good if we reframed our thinking from conflict is bad to conflict in the workplace can actually be healthy. Well, if handled correctly, that is. And it should be expected. And this is why we're having this conversation. I honestly believe if more and more people were equipped to deal with conflict in a healthy and constructive way, we'd have more empowered, confident leaders healthier work environments, and thriving company cultures. The ability to resolve and manage conflict well also trickles into our personal lives and gives us the opportunity to grow and develop in all of our relationships, while also keeping good boundaries for those more difficult relationships. I think most of us avoid conflict, especially women, because we don't want to upset anyone. We maybe just want to be liked. I mean, have you ever been fired or had to fire somebody? Talk about a difficult conversation. Nobody likes having this talk. Okay, maybe a narcissist, but in all seriousness, most leaders who have to have this type of conversation are kind of dying a little on the inside. I once had to let go of an employee. They weren't a bad person. In fact, they were smart and fully capable, just not for the job we had hired them for. It wasn't super obvious on the front end, and after trying for months to make it work, it started to feel like we were fitting or trying to fit a square block into a round hole. It just wasn't working out. It was super difficult, but it was in the best interest of the organization and them in the long run to cut ties. These types of conflicts, while something leaders should know how to navigate properly, are hopefully fewer and far between. What I'd like to focus in on are those everyday types of conflict that we are all facing. 
you know, what about when your boss said something or did something in a way that just personally offended you? Maybe they didn't mean to, but it's been eating at you for weeks and you just don't know what to do about it. And it's starting to impact your ability to focus. Or what about when you've observed a colleague of yours gossiping about other people in the office and it seems like they're spreading poison? Do you say something? Should you stay out of it? What if you have a client who's crossed the line in some way, but you're worried if you address the behavior, you might damage the relationship and end up costing your company money? These are all types of relational conflicts that we experience on a regular basis every day in business. Some of them are direct conflicts, as in we are involved with them directly in some way. But sometimes the conflict is indirect in that we may not be the subject of the conflict or directly involved, but we are observing it and it's impacting our working environment or relationships with others. There are so many things to consider when it comes to conflict resolution and whether or not you should get involved and at what level, which we'll be unpacking over the next several weeks. For now, though, I want to focus on a broader strategy that leaders should develop, and that's getting ahead of conflict before it boils over. Okay, what do I mean by getting ahead of conflict? One of the best things we can do as leaders when it comes to conflict resolution is to avoid problems early on. But in order to do this, you have to be able to spot them in advance. Have you ever uh, been driving down a busy road and literally seen an accident happen before it actually did happen? It's one of those scenarios where your brain is able to imagine things aligning in just the right way that it would cause a major accident and you'd be right in the middle of it. It's amazing how our brains have this ability to spot something before it happens and then immediately go into corrective action. In the case of traffic, Maybe it's swerving out of the way to avoid an erratic driver or slowing down when you see brake lights ahead. We're wired to avoid potential risk and professional leaders can develop a keen eye for spotting potential risk that actually results in them taking strategic steps to correct problems before they even happen. So we're going to dive into some of these steps. And the good news is no matter what position you hold, or how much experience you have, the earlier you learn this stuff, the better and more successful you will be at conflict resolution. Okay, so in order to get ahead of conflict, leaders should develop these four leadership muscles. The first one is knowing your people. Second, making educated decisions. Third, clear and thoughtful communication. That's a big one. And fourth, practicing strategic timing. For the sake of really getting into the meat of these, we're going to focus in on one leadership muscle per episode. So let's dive into knowing your people. If you've ever led people, you know how uniquely wired we all are. I mean, just think about all the different personality tests out there. And even then, there are so many nuances that make up our wiring, ability to problem solve on our feet, our emotional intelligence, you get the idea. And if you're a parent, you know this all too well. The difference between one child and the other is astounding. You can put two kids who are raised by the exact same parent or parents 
give them the same diet, offer the same education, provide the same structure and discipline, and you can have two extremely different outcomes. Our personalities are vastly different, and this matters greatly in the workplace. If you're a leader and you just expect each person to respond the same way to the same structure, leadership style, rules, systems, etc., you are in for a real shock. People are different and it's your responsibility as a leader to study those differences and adapt accordingly. Okay, bonus tip. If you currently sit in an entry-level position, maybe you're fresh out of college or just starting out in your career, you can use this skill to your advantage. For example, learn what makes your boss tick. Learn what style of communication he or she needs, what topics or details get their attention, what priorities do they tend to focus on or what problems keep them up at night. Then use that to your advantage by leveraging that information to adapt your communication approach. If you can learn how to do this with other leaders within your organization, you'll be amazed at how it will benefit you now and in the future. Okay, quick story. My kids are ages 14 and 11. My oldest has always thrived on consistency and routine. I think this might be a firstborn thing. He does it one way and then does it that way for all time. As he's matured, he's taken on more responsibility. But for the most part, this is how he's always operated. When it comes to sleep, he knows when it's time to go to bed and has basically stuck to that without a whole lot of pushing or enforcing on our end. My 11-year-old, however, is very much a free spirit. Structure is a need, but let's just say she lives in a world of color and needs lots of reminders and assistance to stay on task when it comes time to do the thing in front of her. Her bedtime routine has had to be monitored and required a little more effort on our part. We pretty much have the same structure in place within our home, but our kids are two different people, obviously, and we have to adapt our approach with them a little differently. Okay, now let's apply this into a workplace setting. One time I was in a new position of leadership at a job, and for the first time I was managing my own team. I had a boss, but I also had other leaders within the organization who sat over different functions of the business, sort of like uh, department heads. These leaders weren't my direct reports, but they did have a strong influence with my boss and the work we were doing to support their departments. All this to say, their opinion mattered just as much as my own boss's opinion mattered, and I learned quickly that adapting to their unique communication style would benefit me in the long run. By the way, this doesn't come naturally to everyone, and it takes time to develop. Why? Well, because you really have to get to know a person, work with them for extended periods of time to really pick up on their nuances and what drives or motivates them and what ways you need to tweak your approach to get the most out of your working relationship. I had finally started to get into a good rhythm with my boss. I was learning how to effectively hold his attention, get what I needed from him, and only bring him the things that he really needed to see. You see, I have this tendency to over-explain my recommendations and ideas. Basically, I wanted to substantiate everything by providing the why behind it. But I noticed that when I gave too many details or too much explanation, I would start to lose him. 
it also started to feel like I was actually devaluing my expertise. I learned quickly that he was highly visual and needed a concise breakdown, kind of like a brief hit list. So instead of putting together these drawn out plans with research and evidence and all the reasons why I wanted to do a thing, I just said, here's my recommendation and here are the, I don't know, five things I need from you to make this happen. Of course, I was prepared to provide further insight if or when he asked, but guess what? As we started to develop a stronger working bond, he never asked. He trusted my approach and provided what I needed to make it happen. So what did I do here? I got to know my boss, and then I started to take his approach and apply it with everyone I worked with, my colleagues, the department heads, other executive leadership, and even my own team. I worked hard getting to know them by listening intently to their needs and the way they'd communicate those needs. I asked lots of questions, and I studied and observed their own communication dynamics with others in the office. Here's the thing. When you intentionally observe people, you will have a better appreciation for how they operate and will grow in your ability to lead others, even those above you. This is called leading up. This also positions you as someone who can be trusted and someone with great influence for change. That means you're not only setting yourself up for advancement opportunities, but you're also becoming an agent of change within your own organization. In healthy companies, you have the power to influence culture right where you sit. So I just have one question. How are you getting to know the people around you? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Brave Collective, a special kickoff episode to season two. In a couple of weeks, we'll be diving into the second leadership muscle, making educated decisions. And this is going to be really important, all about thoughtful versus reactive communication and how you can work toward a more thoughtful and strategic approach in your own communication style. I'll see you then.